The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Welcome to the sixth episode of the Generation Jaguar podcast. We've decided to skip an intro song this week to instead have a moment of silence for Brian Moore, the 25-year-old brother of Jaguars linebacker Telvin Smith, who was tragically murdered Sunday evening in Valdosta, Georgia. We'd like to congratulate Telvin on the birth of his baby boy just days after the death of his brother, but we would also like to say our thoughts and prayers go out to Telvin and his family in this time of mourning. If everyone would please take a moment of silence to honor the late Brian Moore. All right, so welcome into the show, everybody. It's obviously with heavy hearts that we have to share with y'all the death of Telvin's brother, who was only 25. That's so tragic and... It's, it's, it's just sad to hear. I'm 25 myself. Yeah. Um, I think I Scott's 26. 26 for me. Yeah. So but it's no, tough. It's, it's 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 hard enough losing a family member. Um, I've I've never had I've never lost somebody so young. Um, but whether you whether it's something that's health related or it's just out of the blue, it's it's something that you never really expect to happen and it's not something you ever really can comprehend exactly what emotions you're feeling but it's something where you just try and remember the person that they were try and honor that person for as long as you live and just know that they'll never be forgotten yeah it really is tough and we obviously don't want to take up the whole show talking about such a negative and sad story but we would have been remiss if we didn't bring it up and just mm-hmm. tell Telvin that we're, we're, we're with you, we're praying for you, we feel for you so on that note we'd like to move on to another really depressing story which is the Jaguars 2016 season mm-hmm. but before we get into that I'm Jordan DeLugo, you can find me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram this is the Generation Jaguar podcast I'm here with Scott Klein, my co-host. You can find him on, on Twitter at ScottKlein1. That's K-L-E-I-N-1. You can find my other co-host that we have here this week for the second straight week, Hunter Evans, the offensive coordinator at Mandarin High School. And you can find him on Twitter at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. Um, we're without Grant Gunderson, who's our other co-host today. Um, he got tied up at work, but I think that I think three hosts is enough for the show for this week. I think we can pull it together. A lot, a lot of talking to do. So yeah, there is. <laughs> got to fill the dead air. Four might be a crowd. <laughs> Before we get into it, hot and heavy. Remember, this is the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar, and on Twitter at Generation Jag. So. On today's episode, we're going to get into a little recap of the Jaguars versus Texans. Obviously, that didn't end well. We'll take you into some news and notes around the Jaguars right now. A little injury report. There's not too much to report on for the injury front, but we'll get you into what is going on. We'll take you around the AFC South, and finally, we will preview the Jaguars at the Lions. So, obviously, we're going to start with the Jaguars versus Texans recap. Um, you said it, it didn't end well. It didn't begin well either. 
Yeah, no, it was <laughs> first series. It was rough. And to start off the recap, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the lack of attendance at the stadium this week. It was noticeable. Um, yeah. Fans are finally starting to say, this isn't worth it. We're not going anymore. Uh, it was noticeably less crowded tailgating prior to the game and during the game. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't been able to make it out to very many games this year. Um, this is, you know, being having two kids. <laughs> I got a lot of other things I got to do. But I was able to act, finally make it out this week. The tailgate, I thought the tailgate was awesome. I knew, I, well, I had a feeling the, the stadium was going to, yeah. it was going to kind of be a little bit empty. But um, it's the first, this was the first tailgate I've been able to go to. For well, the yeah, our tailgate. tailgate was great. Well, of course. But <laughs> I thought this. No, like I'm saying as a whole around us, like yeah, there wasn't there was a ton of people tailgating. Yeah. I mean, and it's something where with the, with the product that's on the field, it's bound to happen. Yeah. You know, you can't expect. Like, Shad, Shad Khan might be in it for the long haul, and he, he might not be able to make a move, but people are kind of starting to make their own move. Yeah. You know, they're making the decision that going to watch a football team that has been looking the way they look isn't something that they want to spend their hard-earned money on, spend the time getting down there. Um, and, you know, it's something I can't really blame them. I mean, it's, it's, it's something where... You know, if I got the opportunity to do, to go, obviously we're different because we 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 live and breathe. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're we're we all jaguars all the time, but but yeah, for those fans I mean, that aren't <clears throat> obsessed for a better for a lack yeah. of a better word with the jaguars, yeah, you get, a lot of them are going to show up, and it is understandable, absolutely. Um, so the jaguars obviously lost to the Texans this week, twenty four to twenty one. It was a game that they were in the game for most of the most of the time, but you know, it still didn't feel like you were watching a competent NFL team for a lot of the game. Um, we'll start off with the turnovers. The Jaguars now have 19 turnovers on the year, and they've only they've only been able to take away five uh, themselves. So they have a minus 14 turnover differential on the year. It's tough to win ball games when you're losing the turnover differential that that by that much. What do you think, Hunter? It's impossible to win football games. Yeah. In NFL, college, again, at any level of football, you can't win football games that way. Um, you're talking about it didn't even look like a competent NFL team. Yeah. I've never seen what looked like such a lopsided three-point win. Like. It's hard to sit there and watch your team look so terrible yeah. throughout four quarters of football and then come out and be like, how the hell did we just lose that game by three points? Yeah. I feel like we talked about that last week with the Chiefs game. but you know, Well, I, the Chiefs game, I thought they looked more they than look, competent. They the looked game. competent, but <clears throat> again, you walk away saying, how the hell do we either lose that by a couple points or you know, how are we in position to win? Yeah, I left with six minutes left after... I think they had like a 12-yard run, and it was just like, okay, no matter what happens, we're probably going to lose this game. Beat the traffic, get home, do homework, you know, take care of a baby <laughs> kind of thing. But Absolutely. It's, it's disappointing when you're sitting in the stands for four quarters, and all you hear around you is, how are they going to mess it up this week? Yeah, it's true. Uh, fans aren't wrong when they are incredibly pessimistic about this team. They seemingly find new ways to lose every week, and one of the ways they found to lose this week was uh, Blake Bortles. First off, during the game, this play happened where Bortles was just trying to dump it off at TJ Yeldon's feet because no one was open. And um, To be honest, I kind, of, and, I, I kind of blocked that out of my memory, yeah. and I just, it just hit me, and I got angry all over again. I'm sorry, continue. It's all good, so... Yeah, Bortles throws the ball, tries to just throw it at the dirt, and it ends up bouncing off T.J. Yeldon's um, foot and going into the waiting arms of, de- of a defender. But uh, so at that time, all of us were like, oh, that was super unlucky, blah, blah, blah. But while I'm watching the game, to me it looked like a backwards pass. Mm-hmm. 
and it was a backwards pass that ended up going back and ruling it a fumble instead of an interception. So even without the ridiculous, um, you know, bouncing off TJ Yeldon's foot into a defender's arms, even without that, it was still a bad play by Bortles. He was throwing the ball backwards at someone's feet. Mm-hmm. And you're, in your head as a quarterback, you got to know if you throw the ball backwards, that's a fumble. It's a fine ball. <laughs> like, and the whistle ain't blowing. Come on. That's terrible. Well, and that just goes back into the turnovers. As a quarterback, having played the position and coaching the position, you're taught you don't – throwing at the feet is not what you really do. You throw it in the dirt. Like yeah. you don't yeah. aim for feet. Yeah. No, you throw. It. Yeah. <laughs> and he <Absolutely>. like <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to throw it at somebody. Just throw around. it in the dirt. Get it in the dirt. You in it, front of you in the dirt. Exactly. Like <laughs> not it's just, behind you. Make sure it does not get. I mean, don't make a bad situation worse. Yeah. And it was just the ultimate Jaguar play this year. Yeah, and it, 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 it hashtag really because was, Jaguars. Exactly. It was almost. It's almost weekly. Last week when we got the interception and they ran into each other. Yeah. yeah. Well, we would like, have had the interception. Yeah. yeah. Then Gibson and Amukamara ran into each other, and the rest is history. It's it just, almost a game now. Like yeah, it seems like what we how we top ourselves exactly the week before. Yeah, there's actually <laughs> I can't remember the user on Reddit, but someone was saying they're gonna create a bingo board while they watch this week's game <laughs> oh, and see what crazy things they can put on the board <laughs> to try to fill it out. And the Jaguars are going to do their wow. damnedest to try and That's... knock every one of them out. Yeah, exactly. It's it, terrible. It's it just it it's brutal. And it's it's mainly just the one side of the ball. Yeah. Too. It's and <laughs> when when you get when you have a quarterback making plays like that, when you have coaches who it's not a 10-point game, and we feel like we have to abandon the run. Yeah, that's when, something I wanted to get into, actually. Yeah, Abandoning the run. I was really happy with Hackett's performance as a play caller in his first game uh, against the Chiefs two weeks ago. But then this game, I still think it was definitely improvement over what we saw from Olsen because you still saw receivers getting up and downfield, and, you know, of course, Bortles missed some of those wide open throws that he should have had but um to me it's inexcusable you when Blake Bortles throws the ball 49 times in a game mm-hmm. and Ivory and Yeldon each only carry the ball <laughs> nine times and it's and and just saying throwing the ball 49 times that's a lot but when it's, it's a quarter, crazy. when it's a quarterback who's struggling right. hitting open it, receivers it's not Tom Brady or Matt Stafford <laughs> or someone like that throwing the ball 49 times it's Blake Bortles. You know that you cannot rely on him to win you games right now because if you do, you're going to get the turnovers and you're going to get the negative plays. Um, for Ivory and Yeldon to only have nine carries each while Bortles is throwing the ball 49 times is simply inexcusable, and I put that pretty much squarely on Hacken. When you're, when You've got to run the ball. When you're down big and you feel like, okay, we got to press and we got to come back, it was maybe a 10-point yeah, game. Yeah, that's one thing. At worst. Right. When you're in the game the whole time, you can't abandon the run, especially when you've got talented backs and a quarterback who you don't know what the heck's going to come out of his hand every time mm. he throws it. So, I mean, Hackett's got to find more balance this week. But, the, the, I mean, and there, there were opportunities. It's just yeah. he's struggling to hit the guy. And then the, the deep ball, yeah, man. It's yeah. it's just it's not pretty. So let's move from a negative to a positive here. Allen Robinson had his best game of the season. He had nine catches for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. And under Hackett, he's really starting to play some good football and look like the Allen Robinson that we saw in 2015. Why do you think that he's been able to find new life under Hackett? What do you think, honey? Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, again, what we talked about last week with finding creative ways to get the ball mm-hmm. to your guys. Um, it doesn't have to be exotic. It doesn't have to be a trick play. It's it's just finding a concept or finding maybe a, a simple alignment where you get a mismatch. And there were times where we had mismatches. Marquise Lee in the slot um, going... That's always a towards mismatch. Yeah. 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 But a very simple idea... They put into practice, and again, Bortles just could not 
execute. Yeah. Um, go back to the the overthrow. I think that was uh, Hearns. Which, which one? <laughs> one going towards uh, South End Zone. I, I believe it was Hearns, if I'm correct. I can't um, remember the play specifically. But but I, but I believe he was in the slot. He ran a, a post route and wide open. Uh, ungodly open and Bortles mishandles a play action and then overthrows. Causes him to be late on the throw. And yep, then... and overthrows it by about I don't know, 10 yards. It was it was a really the kind of play where everybody in the stands holds their breath like, yeah. holy crap, we we're touch scoring a touchdown. Touch you see Easy. hands going up, kids start crying because we're scoring <laughs> and then they start crying because well, we're the Jaguars yeah. and that's what we do. Um, it's just... Yeah, when you have plays that even... Little children can understand that. <laughs> oh no, that one. That good. should have been a touchdown. Um, yeah, that's frustrating. Like everybody in the whole stadium, everybody watching on TV, everybody sees it, and Bortles just can't get it to him. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's frustrating, and I, I will say I like what Bortles. I don't like what he did last week, but I like his last two games versus what was happening at the end of Olsen's regime as offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. He's looked more comfortable. Yeah, he's still not a perfect quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Not even really a competent starting quarterback, but he's been better the last two weeks. And I think a lot of that can just be attributed to his relationship with Hackett and his comfortability with Hackett compared to where he was with Olsen. I mean, going in, Hackett's the quarterback coach right. before he became the interim or uh, offense coordinator. So he's going to have a better relationship because mm-hmm. he's the guy in the meeting room. He's the guy you know, that talks to Bortles. He, they go get dinner or whatever they do. He has that relationship. So he obviously has an idea of what he's comfortable with, and I'm sure he has a good amount of trust. Yeah, You hope he has a good amount of trust in Bortles. Um, it's just, there's gotta be that, that return the favor kind of performance from Bortles. And I don't think we're seeing that. And I actually think that Sunday was one of the first times I saw or heard people really blaming Bortles for what went on to the point where I didn't hear fire Gus that much. It was, you know, let's put Henny in, please put Austin or uh, Brandon Allen in. I think it's because people, they, they, they don't have that to hold on to. They know it's, it's falling on deaf ears. So so. that is something we can discuss though. Do either of y'all think that Bortles should be benched? No, no. I mean, I don't either. It doesn't do anything for you. Yeah. It might win a game or two, but if you're looking, the season's lost again, you, you're not going to go to the playoffs. If we go to the playoffs, it would be the greatest. That's, turn that's a movie. That's like, yeah. that's something that they're going to write a story about one day. It don't get to hold your breath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so putting Henny in at this point is going to stop slow or stop the progression of Bortles if there is any, and pretty much says Bortles we're done. Like you yeah. can't take out your guy mm-hmm. in this I've, situation. I completely agree, and um, I think anybody who honestly thinks that Bortles should be benched. In favor of Henny, or some people are even saying Brandon Allen, which is just so far fetched. <laughs> I think it's more to see, okay, what's this guy got? Right. That's the kind but of that's, season But we know what thing. they've got. They are not, at this point, neither of those players is ready to play better than Blake Bortles can right now. These are the same people that three years ago were screaming, play Bortles, because uh, we lost sucks. the Henny's first the season. Ever. Yeah. It, it first game of the season. It's, it's a knee-jerk reaction by a fan who isn't there, you know, every single day of the week. You don't know what these guys go through. You don't know what they see. So it's impossible for you to make a judgment off of a 60-minute football game on Sunday. Right. But you can argue that's that's the most important part. That you, is the most important part. You can put in all the work you want. It is. If, it, if it's not showing up on the field. there's a lot. There's been a lot of good guys and a lot of potentially good quarterbacks that just haven't made it in this league. It is. they can't get it done on Sunday. But at the same time, you're a coach, you're a GM, this is the team you've built. You put your faith and trust in these guys. Follow through your plan. Don't don't veer from your plan. Don't go off the path because you either got to have faith in it or you don't belong in this situation at all and you need to find something else to do. And that's a good – Dave Caldwell is tied to the hip with Blake Bortles. He, he's yeah. in. He's all in. If, if it doesn't Bortles, work, he, he, he probably will not be here for very long. Yeah, because if Blake Bortles doesn't work out – that is two. His first two first round picks, basically being, um, you know, not getting a second contract with the team. Potentially, yeah, 
Potentially. I mean, Jokel still could, but he obviously mm-hmm. didn't live up to his potential so far. He started looking better, but it just you wish you would get, you would have seen him more. Yeah, I mean, guard. it's but tough I mean, for Caldwell, for sure. Uh, and he's been taking a little bit of heat this week, but that's something we can look well, at. I think, I think. that's something we should that. look at more down the road. Obviously, Caldwell's had some misses. He's also had some huge hits, but we can get into that really hot and heavy mm-hmm. down the road once the season's winding down or after the season. But yeah, Caldwell you will have it's to already winding down. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is earlier than we anticipated. You could absolutely. I mean, it is winding down, but we still have. Uh, seven seven games, more football yeah. games to play, and we have Ooh. a lot to see from this young. That's another thing that people forget. This team is so young. Mm-hmm. Even the veterans that they've brought in, most of them are still young football well, players that aren't even technically in their prime. Malik Tashaun, Jackson's what? 26? 26? And same with uh, Tashawn Gibson. There's like not a lot of 30 All the best players that came in on free agency – Almost all of them are still young players. They're in their mm-hmm. this like when they came to the Jaguars, that was their second contract. So, when I'm not trying to make an excuse there, but it, it's something people do need to remember. This team is still incredibly young. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. <clears throat> you know, the biggest thing I think you take from Sunday, well, and I'm sure people are tired of hearing it, but the fact that we have and. With um, what's Dante Fowler getting the personal fouls, oh, Lee Jackson yeah. personal fouls. You see a team that might they might not be playing well, but they're angry. They're they have that little bit of pissed off fire in their gut. They're young, so you know going into the second half of the season and into the off season, it's a team that's they see their potential, and they have to improve on it. If they don't, they won't be here. Yeah, I see. I've I've noticed a lot more of that. That attitude, that not that never giving up the will to to to. Uh, it, I, it, it, I, I see it more so with the new guys, the guys who haven't been here very long. They're and, used to winning, and I exactly. Well, and they and, want, they expect to win, and that's not the culture. That well, that, that's not what on the outside looking in. Seems yeah. what seems to be the culture. Yeah. I'm you not, see a ton of the I'm frustration the from these new guys. I agree. Yeah. Malik's frustrated. But there's also frustration from some of the guys that have been around. Sanderic came out and was pissed off this week after. Yeah. He got, like, I think it was 25 snaps in the game. And, I mean, for a guy who is technically a backup, which Sanderic is, Mm -hmm. he's Malik Jackson's backup at the three technique. What do you expect? And you're not any better than Sheldon Day, who was drafted in the fourth round this year. You're not doing anything more than he's doing. His frustration has to come from the fact of, he's yeah, he's the backup pre-tech, which is fine. But when you lose Roy Miller and a guy like Sanderic comes in and gets reps at the one tech and even gets reps as the big end, the elephant end, whatever you want to call it, and he doesn't play as much, there's frustration. And I think we all need to take a look back and say, what, three, four years ago, before he was injured, he might have been the best guy on our team. Yeah. He was. In and, my opinion, in 2014, he was the Jaguars MVP. And yeah. now, I mean, the last play of the year, pretty much. Yeah. He earned his bonus check yeah. Yeah. with that sack. And now look at where we are. Again, I people hate seeing progress, or they hate hearing that word without wins, but look at where we came from from that play to now. Where right. we have a dude like Malik Jackson, we have a uh, Ngakwe, mm. we have you know Adante Fowler, Aaron Colvin, um, yeah, Jalen Ramsey. Of talent that's the, there that was the talent on this Tashaun, team is Prince. unreal, and yeah. I think it's just a matter of time. Again, something people hate hearing, but there's a light. Well, the team the is quarter. a. In my opinion, <laughs> if there was better quarterback play throughout the year, even like average to competent quarterback play, this team has a few more wins on the board than they would. There, there's no doubt. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Another frustrating part, as you just mentioned, is um, Dante Fowler. He hasn't shown the progression this year that you would hope to. And recent reports have come out that he might be dealing with a bit of a shoulder injury over the last several weeks, which... Obviously, if there is something going on with that, that could clearly affect his play, and the timeline would make sense. Um, he had a 
pretty strong first three outings and has since fallen off. He had two and a half sacks in his first three games. Mm -hmm. He also was able to get an interception off a unique Ngakwe tipped pass. But um, what is disappointing to me about Fowler is not how he's playing in terms of in between the whistles. It's what he's doing after the whistle. He's the fourth most penalized player in the league. And he has more 15-yard penalties right now than sacks. It's unacceptable. It's like a gut punch. Yeah, it is. It's like, oh my goodness. And I would like to say that there's no accountability from the coaching staff, but there is. Over the last several weeks, every time Fowler has had one of these mishaps where it's just clearly a boneheaded play, and this week it happened when Rock Osweiler's three or four steps Mm. out of bounds and Fowler just decides to unload on him. But uh, Gus has been taking him out and sitting him on the bench for several plays <laughs> and discussing with him. That's what we talked about. That's what you can't do. Um, so it's not on Gus with that. That's, that's squarely on Dante Fowler's shoulders. <laughs> it's, uh, I think he's, he's kind of frustrated. Uh, it's you know? He's go not little, used to losing probably no, more than anyone. And he's used to being the guy. Yeah. yeah. And it, uh, it's got to be... Oh, it's tough because it's... You, you, you kind of like seeing the aggression and you like seeing that pissed off attitude from a guy but you gotta do it between the whistles like and it's not and I don't I don't even feel like it's him showing a lot no, of aggression I, it's just like I, but I don't think I'm just gonna shove this guy it was it's just a soft little push when he's yeah it wasn't even a guy. big hit this no but week, I think yeah. it's him somewhat playing to that extra the echo of the whistle kind of mentality of you, you go play through the just, whistle just go like you, that dog mentality of someone has to pull you off of the pile yeah. to get you away from it. And you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, true. That's, that's a good <laughs> I mean, word. it's true. But 10, 15 years ago, his plays are making... Those play, yeah, those plays are not, not often going to draw penalties like they are now, but that's the day and age of the NFL that we live in and that we're watching right now, and players have to get that. They have to get it. I mean... It, something's got to happen with this team where 10, 15 years ago when they were dressed out in those all-black jerseys on Monday night and the whole stadium screaming Duval to, you know, John Henderson, we need that back. Bring, oh, yeah. bring back that mentality yeah. of football. I just – there's just not a lot of mean guys. No, there's not. The but if, there, if it takes one guy being a little too mean – Maybe that sets a spark. You just—it's impossible to know what's inside the locker room right now, and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, I would under and, and from an, all we can do is speculate. We're, we're on the outside looking in, but I mean, to me, there's there's no there's not a lot of anger because they're like, okay, we're just gonna go out and get them next week. If we do our job, we're gonna get it done. There's yeah, not, there's not, there's, there's I no, think there is a general feeling that they are doing the right things, and if they keep doing them, they will get better. I don't know. We, there, there might we've be got to address the fact that some there have been reports that Gus Bradley's lost his locker room. Yeah, not only reports that Bradley's lost the locker room, but that Bortles is a basket case. And yes. these are things that are coming out from players texting ESPN reporters. Yes. And that's unacceptable. I think, I think the, the, now, I can understand the basket case. I can see that stuff, especially yeah. with the reports of, I mean, I've heard people say on Sunday morning at 2 in the morning, he's at the Ritz. Yeah, but that's all speculation. Again, and speculation. There's no question that he frequents the beach bars well, on occasion. I mean, but to, can, to me, if it's... Who knows it whether he's actually there on unless, a Saturday night. Unless he's on, there on Saturday night, I don't... I don't no. Yeah. I don't but going, I mean, with the whole Gus Bradley thing, losing the locker room, the mentality of these players... Before the game, during the game, after the game, in their interviews, it's hard not to see a little bit of Gus Bradley see, coming out through them. Yeah, I, I, I well, see and it. Gus said that. Gus said this week, he said, looking out on the field is like looking in a mirror for the head coach. I, what does that mirror look like to Gus Bradley <laughs> right I now? I 100% think that the players that have been here love him. I think there's a couple outliers, like the new guys I, that we talked about coming yes. in, who aren't used to this. Who want results? They're not here for a player's coach. They're not here to be coddled, and they're, they're not here, here to win. To, they're here to win. It's a yeah. bi- it's a business. It's their job. They want to take pride in it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be friends with their head coach. It's just like it's just like a kid. They're gonna they're if 
if they're let if the chicken if the uh, hens run the roost. Yeah, yeah, you can't. Let, yeah, exactly. They, of course they're happy. Of yeah. course they're. Of course they love Gus. It, I mean, the like look at Malik Jackson again. He comes from playing under Jack Del Rio in Denver for a little bit as a defense corner. Mm-hmm. I have personally heard stories of Jack Del Rio as a head coach in Jacksonville and how hard knows how much he just ruled that team with an iron fist and how you had the same thing. People loved it or that people hated it. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to have that, but it's what the majority does and what that really core of the team buys into. I heard Absolutely. Uh, I heard them talk. So I can't remember if it was Jeff Lagerman. It might have been Jeff Lagerman and Tony Baselli talking where they had um, – with Tom Coughlin, where there was at times such a divide between mm-hmm. player and coach that it almost galvanized the team. Yeah, that it well, that's that it part was of the reason why he's not here. Him. That's part. well from what from what and it, you and know you hear. I think that's more. There were some GM issues more than head coach mm-hmm. issues, but I just feel like if there's it if there's an attitude from the top, there's gonna be it's gonna filter down. <clears throat> I think. You can almost see it, though, where the fans have started to take the new guy. I don't want to say the new guys because that would be, again, speculation. But you have started to see where fans have almost started to buy into these players that have texted or so about Gus Bradley's not the guy, you know, we're here to win kind of Mm. mentality. You can hear in the stands, you hear it before the games, the fire Gus, I'm off the Gus bus. Mm -hmm. But it's hard not to like Gus Bradley. I mean, yeah, it's he's a hard. he's a likable guy. He, but you know what? He doesn't win, but there is something to be said about what he has done for this team and how they played together. I, it's I guess I'm trying to find the light out of a very dark, dark no, room. I understand what you're saying. This is a team that has not won any football games, not literally, but I close to literally over Gus Bradley's tenure, and yet they still seem to play for him. I guarantee you. You look around the league, Bill Belichick is loved in that locker room. And yeah. there's a reputation about how much of an a And if he's not loved, guess what? See you later. Yeah. Because he knows how to win. Yeah. And he might be an a-hole, but you follow his lead, and they, the, play, yeah. the players come out and they have that attitude. And you know he's loved. He might Gus, not be loved by everybody, but they have a mutual respect for the each The core other. loves him. The, yeah. the core of that well, team. And to me, that's what's more important, what you just said. Respect. Yeah. I don't care if you like your head coach. Exactly. Respect your head coach. And obviously not everyone on the team does respect him. Well, not yet, or hopefully maybe. But, I mean, Gus Bradley comes from Pete Carroll. He's yeah. a, a player's somewhat coach. of a disciple of Pete Carroll. And everything you've ever heard about Pete Carroll is he is the ultimate player's coach. I mean, look at the 30-for-30 the 30 30 he was a part of and what he did for that USC program and how much of a player's coach he was, where to the point he almost opened practice to any celebrity that wanted to come. Yeah. Just to make the players feel good. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying don't be a player's coach. You yeah. can't be a nice guy and win in this league. But Pete Carroll, he can coach football. He yeah. can make changes. He can look at his roster. He can look at the scheme and say, the big end isn't working. Well, Michael Bennett, can you lose 10, 15 no, pounds? And he knew how to work with it. the GM to get yes. the right guys for their scheme, which... That's been part of the problem with the Jags. And they hit on a lot of late-round picks. that are And undrafted players. Exactly. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, this, this argument is such a... Like, you're either on one side of the argument or you're on the complete other side. It's such a mm. wide spectrum. Like, you're, there's no one in between. Yeah. You either can understand that Gus Bradley and Dave Caldwell and Khan started from these... Absolute bottom worse, of the barrel. Worse than a expansion team. Probably yeah. one of the worst NFL rosters that have ever been around. And that's to me why they've gotten so far. But and why they're still in this situation. But then there's the other side that says this is the, the damn NFL. You got to win games. So it's very hard. At some point, maybe we'll meet in the middle. I just don't think we ever. Yeah. Well, and and how do you? These guys took an incredibly bold strategy to start their tenure, and they said we are going to break it down and tear it down more than anyone else ever has. We're going to go to the bare bones, and they did that. And they have, and they, they've honestly that is an excuse for them now. How many Dave Caldwell and Gus Bradley guys are? It's become an excuse. I think that's the only issue. Can I? How many Gus Bradley and Dave and Dave Caldwell guys are on this team? Everybody except for the whole team. Tyson Except for Lewis and all of And we were worse now and than we pause. were last year. I guess pause was a yeah. pre... 
I don't I'm, think I, I don't think we are worse. That's the thing. There's more talent, but they're not winning, and a lot of that has to fall squarely on the shoulders of Blake Bortles, in my I, opinion. It's hard not to look at the quarterback and say, "We're, we're, we're two and seven right now." If this team There's had a four better, more wins on this, easily, easily, uh, but Green Bay partially on the offensive corner. Everybody hates that screen call, but Green Bay um, Sunday, the Chiefs. There's an asterisk next to the last couple of games. But there's a couple opinion. there's a couple games where you can easily say they could have, should have, would have won if this had happened. And it's hard not to pick a name out of a hat and that not be Blake Bortles. You're right. I have no I have no argument who, for you there. But who is who drafted Blake Bortles to be the guy? When there were still a bunch of quality Look, guys on the Blake board. Bortles threw 35 touchdowns last year. He I know he threw 18 picks, and he's about on the same pace for interceptions. So they I don't have a. Games. I don't have a. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> win not, a lot of and, games because they couldn't play defense. There was the, no the defense, defense last year. Was bad. You got to look at what's happening at the time. <laughs> it's such a pro-con argument, and again, this is what we're, you said earlier. After the season, it would be such a good topic to really get into depth. Yeah, but look at the names on both sides of that scale. Who Dave Caldwell has brought into this locker room? I yeah, think, Blake Bortles is bad. But I will say at, this: look at some of the look at Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Dave Let's, Caldwell as a middle middle round guy to late round, to late to round guy. undrafted. He well, hits home runs at the end of the draft. Rough. You don't win a lot of championships not getting elite blue chip talent. Yeah, yeah. his entire thirteen classes, first class though. Was a buzz save John Cyprian. It was John Cyprian. Now at this point was John, an okay second second round Tashawn pick. Sean Gibson has made Cyprian what he is. Right. That, that signing though of Tashawn Gibson, a true center fielder. Right. But Cyprian should have never had to play with the crap he was playing with that free no, safety as well. No, career. but that's part of being. And he was asked to do a lot of stuff. Yeah. That he was born a couple years too early. Him. Yeah. So she we're getting off on a bit of a tangent yeah. here. We need to move on. Yeah. Can't wait till the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. No, it's gonna be. So it's gonna be. Now we need a two-hour podcast for that one. So. So we'll get into one more negative from this game. Julius, oh yeah, I forgot we talked about the game. Yeah, that's, that's where this all came from, from the Texans. The Texans loss. So Julius Thomas did score a touchdown in this game, but he has been completely lost. In, and yet he has four touchdowns on the year, but he has less than 30 receptions, and he really is just seemingly lost in the offense. And I don't know if it's his fault or if it's the – um, play calling or what is going on with that? But I think Scott has a little bit more insight into maybe what's happening with that. Yeah, there was a there was an article from the uh, Jacksonville.com. Hayes Carline does great. He does good job uh, doing a lot with the team. Um, specifically talking about just specifically talk about Julius Thomas. Um, the numbers when you really look at it, and you and with the eye test. You see him catching a, catching the ball um, close to the line of scrimmage. Um, you see him catching the ball heading out of heading towards the sideline. You see um, not. You see a lot of plays where it might not be the best design for a guy like Julius Thomas, a, a guy, guy that has good height, good, good he's speed. He's a big guy. He's a mismatch almost anywhere he goes, and can catch everything you throw at him. Yeah, and he's got. Good speed. He can jump. He's a basketball player. He's not a guy that's going to make people miss in space. But he's a guy where you put him on a linebacker, he's going to burn him. You put him on a court, you put a corner on him, too he's big. Gonna, for he's him. Gonna be too big. Safeties yeah. might not be able to keep up. But some of the stats are just staggering. Um, the last 17 receptions he's caught have combined for 38 yards after the catch. So it's basically he's getting the ball in a position where he's either having to make a guy miss or he's <clears throat> moving horizontally and having to try and cut the ball upfield. Yeah. They, yeah, they need to get space. the ball to him downfield in space. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And that's what Denver – that's why he was so difficult to cover in Denver because they got him downfield in space and they put the ball on the numbers, which is something Peyton Manning did exceptionally now, well that Blake Bortles is unable to do. If – with Denver – Look at who, again, who is he playing with? Peyton Manning. Arguably, 
one of the best. The greatest regular the season quarterback of all time. You could put him and Tom Brady in that conversation of the best quarterback of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll take Brady in the playoffs okay. all day, but regular season, Peyton yeah, Manning's the best quarterback was, of all time. Who is his offense coordinator? I'll review, well, Adam Gase. Uh, you had Adam Gase last year. Mm. Who was, who was no, two, year, two years ago, sorry. Well, they used to but, have Mike McCoy. they also had Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Yeah, he was prior to that, but yeah. But that that style of offense that they played in Denver was very very prominent on getting the tight end in space. Uh, Kubiak made a living off of getting um, Owens. Yeah, Owen Daniels. Uh, Owen Daniels. Yeah, for the Texans, and then even with the Ravens too. And even he's in Denver. Uh, Went to Denver too. But he made a living off of getting that guy into space and making a difference in that offense. And I think it goes with the offense coordinator and with the quarterback of knowing how to use that guy. And going back to last year, who was hurt last year? Julius Thomas, very beginning of the year. Yep. But who had to make a living off of the Allen brothers last year? Blake Bortles and, you know, Greg Olson. Okay. So maybe maybe it is play call, which is... What we're we're talking about here? Mm-hmm. He's Play calling in a lack of confidence. In he's got twenty-seven catches on the year. One of those was more than sixteen yards in the air. Wow! One pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And to go along with that trend, Blake Bortles did not have one completion last week uh, that traveled more than twenty yards in the air. Well, that's not play calling. The Julius Thomas could be play calling. Well, yeah, well, that's Bortles inability to they're get a using, guy downfield is they're definitely using Julius Thomas, and there's there's a, they, there's and how about Koyak stealing him? reps from him? Because and I've I've noticed a lot You're because they're able trying to sneak him. The way they're out. the way they're using Koyak is the way they're attempting to use Julius Thomas that he's not built for. Koyak can he's a more capable blocker. I love Koyak absolutely. How do they're you using not? Julius Thomas? They're chipping guys with him. They're having him. Come across and try and and do a little they're, crack back block. They're, they're on using a, on a tackle Julius Thomas how you want to use Mercedes Lewis. They're, yeah, they're not using him to his physical abilities no. as a receiver. They're he's a good and, and kind of inline guy. Put him outside. Well, for all I care. We can talk a little bit more about Julius Thomas in our Lions preview because they are god awful at yeah. covering tight ends. So we're gonna finish off our Texans recap with. Perhaps one of the only positives of the game. Jalen Ramsey was covering DeAndre Hopkins the whole game. Hopkins ended up with only 50-some-odd yards on the on the day, no touchdowns. And it is just incredible how many tough receivers Jalen Ramsey has gone mano-a-mano with this year and just held his own or kicked their ass. It's awesome. If you believe the guy in front of us, he didn't do so hot. He did give up more than 50% yeah, of the passing yards. Me and Scott were sitting at the game together, and uh, oh, there's this dude in front of us complaining about how Jalen Ramsey's playing. It's like, John Get him, getting burned. Get him on the getting, show, right? Getting yeah. burned was his exact <laughs> Who <thing>. are you? <laughs> show yourself. <laughs> but anyways, Ramsey's killing it. I mean, when I, I will be the first one to admit when Ramsey was drafted, I was a little disappointed. Wow. Wow. I was singing my praises. I I mean, it was awesome. The the thing about it was I loved Miles Jack. I did too. I thought (laughs) Miles Jack could be the dude of the dudes of the dudes to be that dude. Mm. Like the ultimate dude. Yeah, like the blue collar guy that we don't have. That was what the Jaguars built their life on so, you know, 10 years ago. Plus, get. Pause out of here in the next. I, I still pause, but well, no, no, but he's he's, 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 he's had his best season of his well. career this year. Um, but Jalen Ramsey, when he was drafted, was not. Yeah, people loved it. I was the guy sitting back. Well, let's see what they do in the second round. And then when they picked Miles Jack, it was like, oh Jesus, <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> you know, track backtrack. <laughs> I, I didn't believe it was real. I, it was, I, I'm still. It was like, unsure did we just get Uncle Chapped? Yeah, but yeah. Um, is that what just happened? Jalen Ramsey has turned out to be maybe one of the most productive rookies in the season. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, he's definitely a candidate for defensive rookie in the year. So we'll move on really quickly with some uh, quick news and notes. Um, Paul Puzlesny was nominated by the Jaguars for the Art Rooney Sportsmanship of the Year Award this hey. week. 
Um, Puzlesny is probably the ultimate sportsmanship guy on the Jaguars team, maybe ever on the Jaguars. He's just a consummate professional. He comes to work every day. He leads. He's been trying to tutor up Miles Jack, even though he knows Miles Jack is going to end up taking his job one day. Gotta love Paz. Um, hopefully he'll get. Hopefully he'll get some recognition around the rest of the league for what he's been doing this year, and from some fans who give him a hard time because he really is yeah. not only an amazing guy in terms of being just super, super in terms of sportsmanship, but he's played really well on the field this year. So you gotta love that. Um, Rashad Hill, who's a tackle, he's a Jacksonville native. He was on our practice squad this year. He was active for one game with us this year. He was signed to the Vikings active roster this week from our practice squad after the Vikings have lost three tackles mm. to IR this year, the most recent being Jake Long, who was a midseason pickup for the Vikings. Um, so good for Rashad. Good to see him on an active roster somewhere. Hopefully he can stick around, and if not, maybe we can bring him back here. Good to see a local kid who's a Jaguar, mm. you know, getting getting the play he deserves, and that's that's exciting for him, absolutely. Um, to replace Rashad Hill on the practice squad, the Jaguars have signed a 24-year-old tackle by the name of Arturo, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name. <laughs> I'm glad you had that job and not me. <laughs> it's spelled U-Z-D-A-V-I-N-I-S. I do not know how to pronounce that, but he's now on the Jaguars practice squad. He's a six foot seven. 305-pound undrafted rookie, and uh, hopefully he can make a name for himself on the practice squad. I'm sure we won't really see from him this year at all. We might see him next year in the offseason in training camp and whatnot, but um, good for him. Six foot seven, 305. you got to like the measurables, but yeah. obviously he was undrafted for a reason. He was a two-star recruit coming out of high school, so yeah, he, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, practice squad is, 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 a guy, is a place where you, you stash guys in hopes that one day they'll be good. Right. You're not, not hoping never to have to see them this year. Right, absolutely. If, they're, if you're relying on somebody from your practice squad, practice squad there's been some bad things happening <laughs> yeah like in the vikings case yeah three three tackles going down for the vikings that's awful they have been hit they've been hit harder by the injury bug than any team i can remember in recent memory absolutely the poor vikings but we'll move on to the jaguars injury report which isn't huge chris smith didn't participate today with some sort of eye injury i'm not sure what's going on with that um He's obviously not a huge contributor in the Jaguars' rotation right now, but he's a guy that if someone goes down, the Jaguars would have to heavily rely upon. Telvin Smith is not with the team right now following the murder of his brother and the birth of his uh, baby boy, so it's unclear at this point if he will be with the team in Detroit, but our thoughts and prayers go out to Telvin and his family. Brian Walters was limited with a concussion that he suffered in Kansas City two weeks ago. He did not play against Houston, so we'll see if he's good to go. And then you've got Kelvin Beecham, who coming into this season was coming off of a um, ACL reconstruction. He was limited today with his knee. I'm sure that was just precautionary mm -hmm. and nothing huge there. Um, again, you're listening to the Generation Jaguar podcast. You can find us at Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jag on Twitter. We've got Hunter Evans here with us, who you can find at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven on Twitter. Scott Klein, you can find at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can find me, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll take you quickly around the AFC South. The Texans are six and three. They just come off a win against the Jags, of course. They really didn't look too good themselves. They found a way to create turnovers against the Jags, whether it was by luck or whether it was by skill. That's up for you to determine. I'm going to go ahead and say that it was luck based on playing the Jags and the ever-turnover-prone Blake Bortles. 
Um, Lamar Miller's having a strong season. He's having some big plays, and they're six and three on top of the AFC South. Brock Osweiler threw for ninety nine yards that game. Yeah, we yeah we can't get into that right now. <laughs> We're coming off. Uh, the Colts are four and five, coming off a bye. They play the Titans, who are five and five, just ahead of them in the division. The Colts are ultra talented quarterback team. You know Andrew Luck, ultra talented wide receiver, and T Y Hilton, and they have good role players on offense, but. Just a simply untalented defense, and they have a chance to win every game just with their offense. Again, they're going up against the Titans this week, who are 5-5. Five and five. They're putting up over 39 points per game over the last three games. Mariota's throwing it all over the place, and DeMarco Murray's also running all over defenses. Um, their defense isn't playing great, the Titans, but you know when your offense is putting up 39 points a game, you're going to win most games. Yeah. So... Um, Again, the uh, Generation Jaguar watch party this weekend will be at Brick's Tap House, as it always is. We'll be there Sunday at 1 o'clock, ready to watch the Jaguars take on the Lions. And right now, we'll get into the Jaguars versus Lions preview. Matt Stafford, how about him? He's playing like an elite quarterback this year. 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 2,300 yards, and 67% completion. Who knew it takes just losing your... One of the best receivers in NFL history. Well, obviously Scott is joking there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, the Lions did supplement their wide receiver core this year with Marvin Jones and Anquan Bolden, but Matt Stafford, under the tutelage of offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, is playing the best football of his career, and he's just something to watch this year. I'm not complaining because he's on my fantasy football <laughs> team. I got him pretty late in the draft, thankfully, but... He's been a stud, bottom line. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got some wide receivers that are playing really well. Um, Marvin Jones, he started off the season really hot, hasn't been doing a lot lately. But when you got a guy like Anquan Bolden catching yeah. five touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, Anquan Bolden has like 20-something catches and five touchdowns this year. His role has been kind of similar to Julius Thomas's, I yeah. guess. <laughs> They're not abundantly... Uh, featured in the offense, but they're able to find the end zone and put up points for their team. And then you got Golden Tate just doing people dirty like he right. did against Minnesota. Gosh, that game-winning <laughs> touchdown against the Vikings. If you unreal. haven't seen it, you got to go look it up right now. It's just incredible. It was one of the best game-ending plays in the NFL. Yeah, but those three, while Jones has fallen off lately and Tate's come on lately, those three receivers, Jones, Bolden, and Tate, have combined for a 1,460 yards and 11 touchdowns on the year. The Jaguars' cornerbacks will have their hands full this week. But they should be up for the task. I'm not worried about the Jaguars' defense, and I don't think anyone is in terms of covering receivers. One thing that scares me, though, is not covering receivers, but covering running backs. Yes, Theo Riddick coming out of the backfield for the Lions. He scored four touchdowns on the year. He's having a big role for them receiving the ball. And that's something the Jaguars are going to have to be conscious of on every single play because Riddick can take it to the distance. Yeah, they throw the, they throw the ball to the backs a lot. Um, they, they, they have in the recent past, and it's no different this year. I yeah. Mean, Theo Riddick is just he's, he's a great pass catching back. Look at the three running backs they have. They're all yeah. <laughs> pretty much the same. They fit to that offense perfectly. Yeah. But Theo Riddick. Amir Abdullah of Nebraska, he made a living off of that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And, Luckily, we won't have to face him. And Justin Forsett. Yeah, Forsett will be there, three too. three style running backs, very similar. Oh, so, you know, it's they're, they're a very diverse offense. You forgot and, Zach Zinner, the man, the legend. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, don't forget about him. Jaguars have seen him before in the preseason a couple us. years ago, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's he's a, a talented diverse, guy. It's a diverse offense, though. I mean, you Ooh. can just go down the list of names they have. Yeah. The, the the receivers they got a good tight end, a, a really good tight end with Ebron. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and you know they're running backs and one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Um. So they're definitely an offense that can score. It's just can their defense perform? Right. Yeah. So I obviously the Lions have a really talented, really high producing offense but the key for the Jaguars winning football games this year comes on the other side of the ball not not turning the ball over on offense and just having some sort of consistency so 
Blake Bortles, we've talked about it a lot. He has 11 interceptions, four fumbles this year. He's been playing terrible, but he has an opportunity against this Lions team that's giving up 270 yards, two touchdowns, and the highest completion percentage, which is 74% to opposing quarterbacks in the NFL this year. It is just unreal how bad they have been against the pass. And uh, Bortles is going to have to take advantage of that. He might top 60%. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. they, They do have some talent on the defensive side of the ball. Darius Slay's a really talented cornerback. Um, he's playing good football. But they, like the Jaguars, the Lions like the Jaguars, really struggle to turn the ball over. They mm-hmm. only have four interceptions on the season. And I know that's the same thing we said last week against the Texans. And what do the Texans do? They turn the ball over, or they turn us over and win the game. So obviously that is probably the key for the Jaguars win the turnover battle, or at least don't lose it by two-plus. You know, stay within one turnover of the other team, and you'll have a shot to win. Uh, A-Rob and Alan Hearns have got to get it going big time this week for the Jaguars. They've started to get open. I mean, it's... it's, You've seen it. You've seen it now. Yeah, it's not something you can really... You can call them out on it because they had some struggles earlier in the season. Things are starting to click. It's just not the balls just sailing over their heads, or they're having to fight a contested, underthrown ball. Yeah, um, it's it's really tough when you got a quarterback who's in the position that Blake Bortles. Now the Lions' run defense has been eh, average this year. They're giving up 107 yards a game on the ground and 4.3 yards per carry. The Jaguars have got to commit to the run in order to beat this football team. When the Jaguars commit to the run, they have exponentially higher odds at winning the football game. It's the bottom line. They've got to commit to it. I mean, just go down the list of the defensive stats from the Lions. They have allowed 367 yards or so a game. 232 for 313 passing. Uh-huh. With 20 touchdowns? Yeah, they against four interceptions. Yeah. Their total rush defense is terrible, 963. So it's over 100 yards a game that they're allowing. If the Jaguars cannot take advantage, and I don't think it's necessarily about running the ball, passing the ball. It's about running the ball when you want to, passing the ball when you want to. Controlling the game exactly. offensively. If you can do that, which you should be able to against this defense, you should win the game. And yeah. it would be so amazing to be able to see the Jaguars do that once. Yeah, it really would be. And um, obviously the Jaguars have to be able to contain Ezekiel Ansah, who somehow has zero sacks this year. Mm. He's been dealing with a bit of a high ankle sprain most of the year, which is tough for a guy that relies on athleticism and explosion. But the Jaguars have a way of allowing players <laughs> who aren't doing well heading into the game against them. Sounds a lot like Khalil Mack to me. Yes, allowing them to have their game where they break out of their slump and really get it going. So Ants is a guy you have to keep in mind when watching this game. He's one of the most talented pass rushers, bottom line, in football. Now, there's another guy who they have on their uh, pass rush, Kerry Hyder, who's not much of a... Who? Exactly. <laughs> he is not a household name at all. He's a converted defensive tackle, but he has seven sacks on the year. He's a guy that the Jaguars are going to have to deal with. I think, in general, the Jaguars struggle more with the speed rush outside guys. So hopefully, Hyder, they'll be able to keep under control because yeah. he's not a speed rush guy. He's no D Ford. He's not D Ford. He's not going <laughs> to <Yeah. laughs> run right by Jeremy Parnell. But um, he's a guy that's producing in a big way this year and the Jaguars have got to find a way to try to keep the pocket clean for Bortles and uh, even if the pocket is clean who knows for Bortles because like he said he's not comfortable throwing from the pocket (laughs) and he's not a natural passer either and in the last two weeks he's told Rich Gannon and the previous television crew that he's not a natural thrower of the football that's just... Could he not have told Dave Caldwell that prior to him <laughs> drafting him? Do you think Dave Caldwell would see pick? that? <laughs> like, it's, that's I, just... It's frustrating with Bortles. Unbelievable how he... There's so many things that have gone wrong with this team this year. 
Blake Bortles regression. The running backs haven't been able to get anything going because of the poor blocking by the offensive line. The lack of turnovers on the defensive side of the ball. They've only got five turnovers on the year, three interceptions. Um, It is truly difficult to watch. And then you combine that. And these two are symptomatic of each other. The lack of a pass rush leads to the lack of turnovers. Mm. But the pass rush has really fallen off since earlier in the season. And it's tough to be a Jaguars fan right now. But because you are a Jaguars fan, we know you will stick through it. (laughs) You'll stand united with the rest of our fans. And we'll really try to get it going the last seven games and see perhaps... If Blake Bortles can be the guy going forward, yeah, if, it's if some of these players are actually key components to the Jaguars team moving forward, or if it's going to be a total rebuild in the future, and we'll find out over the next seven weeks. That's going to do it for the podcast this week. I'm Jordan DeLugo. For Scott Klein and Hunter Evans, that's it. You can follow me at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at ScottKlein1 on Twitter at Hunter underscore Evans underscore seven. Man of many underscores on Twitter for Hunter Evans there. And make sure to follow Generation Jaguar on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow Facebook and Twitter, or Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Twitter at Generation Jag. And make sure to come out for our watch party this Sunday at the Bricks Tap House. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.